Welcome to this episode of my podcast series, The View From My Middle Finger, where I take a look at the world through the many social media platforms. This is The View Through My Middle Finger, where your opinion matters, but The View always looks different from my middle finger. We all need a cause to be cool. It doesn't seem to be enough these days to simply deal with the typical challenges life sends your way. Friends, family, home, finances, job, you get the idea. If that's not enough, it appears that these days, if we do not take up a cause, our lives lack purpose. We are less fulfilled. This has led to the rise in virtue signaling. Just get a cause, any cause. I mean, you can't be causeless. And that leads to the question, if we feel compelled to have a cause we support, how committed can we actually be? There is is committed and then there's virtue signaling to be seen to support while not really supporting the cause in the true sense of the word whatever that word may be in this episode of the view from my middle finger we will look at causes in general and the virtue signalers who suggest they are committed and perhaps not so committed when placed under the microscope that is social media and the internet to understand virtue signaling a little better, let's hear from this short educational audio grab from the net where these people provide some examples so we can all understand how to virtue signal and be accepted as part of the public cause or movement. Welcome and let's get started. Today's topic is virtue signaling, publicly expressing opinions intended to demonstrate one's good character or moral correctness, otherwise known as everybody on the internet. Okay, before we start, just want to let you know that there are safe spaces all over this campus and we support freedom of speech, but only if it's the side that we agree with. Okay, can you think of any good examples of virtue signaling? Okay, remember last year when Starbucks got in all that trouble for all that racial stuff with their customers? I posted on my feed that I would never support Starbucks again. Excellent, and then what did you do? Oh, I definitely went back like two days later. Perfect. That's a perfect example. With virtue signaling, we love raising awareness. Awareness is great because we never actually have to do anything. Raising awareness is like walking down the street and seeing someone getting beat up and be like, hey everybody, that guy's getting beat up, and then not doing anything to intervene and stop it. But it's like, we did our part, at least someone knows. You know what, this is starting to make a lot of sense. Yes. A couple quick tips to help you improve your virtue signaling. If you're gonna do something good in real life, Always post about it on the internet. Otherwise, what's the point? You know what I'm saying? Volunteering, marching, get a couple fake candid photos gonna go a long way on the internet. Just always think about the likes. I mean, there's a Bible verse about this. Always let your left hand know what your right hand is doing. You know what, the other day someone I follow posted something that I thought was offensive and I just unfollowed them and moved on with my day. That is so wrong. Everyone knows that that is a perfect opportunity for fake outrage. Listen, as a virtue signaler, we must always recognize the hot trending topics. A couple years ago, the environment was very hot. We were on that for a while. Then we moved on to gender issues. Last year, that was a hot button for virtue signalers. And now in 2020, racism is back. Yeah, I see it. Okay, and this is a virtue signaler's dream, especially that Blackout Tuesday. Oh, that was our Super Bowl. Listen, we shamed people if they didn't post a black image, and then if they did, we shamed them for using the wrong hashtag. It was just... Hey, there were some great examples from this educational piece. My favorite was the story of Starbucks. I mean, let's cancel Starbucks to show our displeasure, and then a couple of days later, we can allow our coffee urges to take hold. <laughs> 
That's the key to a good virtue signal. Cancel publicly through your virtue signaling on social media and then uncancel in private when you ask for the Americana from Starbucks. In this next grab, we will find the Canadian Minister for Women appealing to her brothers in the Taliban. Hmm, that's right. I want to know if the Canadian people who elected this person knew that she had family in the Taliban. I mean, I'd think that that's something that they might want to know. Let's have a listen. I want to take this opportunity to speak to our brothers, the Taliban. We call on you to ensure the safe and secure passage of any individual in Afghanistan out of the country. We call on you to immediately stop the violence. Now, all right, uh, Daisy, she went on to condemn the Taliban, but calling them brothers, a group that's actually listed in Canada as a terrorist group, why would she do that? (laughs) Oh, gosh, Andrew, this is really a case of virtue signalling gone wrong. I mean, as if virtue signalling can't go wrong, but this one went particularly wrong. So, basically, um, as she explained later on after people went, what on earth is going on here? Um, you know, it, she tried to sort of fob it off as, look, it's just a cultural thing. You know, Muslims often, you know, in that part of the world, they go around calling each other brothers and sisters. So, Let me understand this. Here is a brutal group of people who persecute women and treat them as a second-class citizen and who have been applying all manner of degradation on their fellow human being for many years. Many have tried to persuade the Taliban to change their ways, perhaps given she has brothers in the Taliban, she thought she would have more luck. Or perhaps this was a touch on the virtue signalling side and she didn't have any brothers in the Taliban but wished that she had in order to influence them. Another type of virtue signalling is when an individual aligns themselves publicly with a non-aligned group in order to appear to be sympathetic or totally committed to the cause. I think it's great. No, honey, you're not going to believe... Sorry, hang on. You're not going to believe this. No, you're not going to believe this. Hey, guys. Guys, excuse me. I have uh, a couple of friends of mine, real good guys, black guys, great guys. Yeah, Yeah, no. I have gay boyfriends, or... Well, I have, I have gay boy space friends. I have gay guy friends. If I had a boyfriend and he was gay, that would kind of complicate things between the two of us, so. Point is, I do have gay friends, but after I became friends with them, I wasn't like, Yes, I finally caught one. If the reason you want to promote the fact that you have black friends or gay friends is to somehow disqualify yourself from being a racist or homophobic and to appear committed or sympathetic in your socials, then I would suggest this would be a big virtue signaling flag. I see my name in shiny Celebrities love a good cause, whether it's adopting small children from impoverished countries or supporting social causes like helping the homeless from their multi-million dollar estates in some far-flung resort-style paradise. We thought we would see what the internet has to say about some of these virtue-signaling celebrities. This is Harry Potter author J.K. Rowling, net worth one billion. She really cares about the plight of refugees and she demands that Britain take in more migrants. Now I'm sure that J.K. Rowling has donated a lot of money to refugee charities, 
but money is not enough. 250,000 homes will have to be built every year in the UK just to house British people and the 300,000 plus immigrants that already arrive annually. The UK has a chronic housing shortage. JK Rowling doesn't have a chronic housing shortage. Here's her 12 acre estate and nine bedroom mansion in Aberfeldy. Here's her mansion in Edinburgh, which has 31 rooms, including 13 bedrooms. JK Rowling lives with her husband and three children. Let me do the math here. Four bedrooms needed, 22 minus four, that means JK Rowling has 18 spare bedrooms. Oh yeah, and I forgot to mention her $10 million, 856 hectare, seven bedroom mansion estate in Tasmania that has a three kilometer driveway. JK Rowling had a house worth £1 million next to her Edinburgh mansion, flattened. To build a small migrant centre? No, to extend her own garden. But she also put up two extra buildings on the property. To house Syrian refugees? No, they're Hogwarts-style tree houses. But we know that J.K. Rowling cares deeply about the needy and impoverished. Or shut the fuck up. This is ex-soccer star and TV host Gary Lineker, net worth 31.5 million. Gary lives in Barnes, Richmond, one of the whitest areas in London. There are very few migrants living in Barnes. Gary said it was hideously racist to even question whether these refugee children arriving in the UK were actually children. Even though facial recognition showed some of them to be nearly 40 years old. Tommy Robinson challenged Gary to adopt one of these children. Gary's response was to call Tommy a racist idiot. Afterwards, Gary announced he'd attend a rally in support of Calais migrant camp children then failed to show up. But Gary really cares about refugee children. That's why he accommodates them in his six-bedroom luxury home. Oh wait, actual number of refugees housed by Gary Lineker, and it's zero. Gary Lineker. This is actress Emma Thompson. Net worth 64 million. Emma says the UK is racist for not taking in enough refugees. She says we'd take more if they were white. Emma Thompson lives in Hampstead, which is 98% white. In fact, it's one of the whitest areas in the whole of London. There are very few migrants living in Hampstead. Despite the UK being the most crowded country in Europe, Emma says there's plenty of room to accept thousands more migrants. But there's no room at her place because the actual number of refugees housed by Emma Thompson is zero. This is pop star Lily Allen, net worth 20 million. Lily lived in a six bedroom house in the Cotswolds. The Cotswolds is one of the whitest areas in the UK. There are very few migrants living in the Cotswolds. Then she moved to Notting Hill, one of the whitest areas in London. Lily Allen apologized on behalf of her country and wept on national TV, insisting that the UK should accept more child refugees. Actual number of refugees housed by Lily Allen Zero. Now, I'm not for a moment suggesting that any of these UK celebs should give up their own homes for their cause, whether housing refugees or any other disaffected people in the world. However, as the presenter suggested in this YouTube video, a greater gesture may have been to get involved, perhaps donate some of your wealth and definitely show up to protests or rallies when you say you will, might give them some social cred. Virtue signaling is not reserved for individuals on social media. Increasingly, we have seen corporations also virtue signal. This is primarily to protect their customer base and to be seen to be supporting whatever is popular at the time, and to also avoid being cancelled for not supporting what is popular at the time. Let's listen to this YouTuber who has his take on the corporate virtue signaling. Uber and other huge corporations coming out with these sort of anti-racist slogans 
don't mean what people actually think they mean. Some people see signs like this and think, wow, Uber, you're so brave. And of course, we all know we should be standing up against racism. Racist people are bad. But these kind of signs don't actually represent standing against racism. They represent standing against conservatives, standing against people who have a different value system than what the left wants you to have. This is not a true stand against racism. All these big companies you see saying a stand against racism are not really doing that. They do this because they're virtue signaling. They want people driving down downtown Dallas to see this sign and think, wow, Uber's the best. Uber really cares about racism. But if Uber really cared about racism, they do things to actually help African-Americans in America. They do things to actually help communities that are underprivileged. But they don't. They just put up signs like this and make it seem like they care. In reality, it's just for show. Signs like this and things you see from hundreds of other companies in America is essentially the same as that girl in your high school class posting a black square on her Instagram. It doesn't mean anything. It's just for show. And that girl posts that on Instagram to make it seem like, oh, she really cares about black people. Let's now introduce a term that is closely aligned to virtue signaling, and that's cancel culture. This drives the signaling to a whole different level. I mean, it's one thing to expand one's own status as a result of promoting the cause. However, it's a whole different thing to cancel someone else or ruin another person's life because they had a different opinion. Let's understand this a little further with the following grab from YouTube from the guys at Wisecrack. What's up guys, Helen here, and today we're gonna talk about a topic that single-handedly raised America's blood pressure 50 millimeters, which is a lot. That's right, cancel culture. Now, clearly the term is getting its fair share of media attention. Cancel culture. Cancel culture. Cancel culture. Cancel culture. Cancel culture. But what does it really mean? According to our friend Miriam, it's the practice or tendency of engaging in mass canceling as a way of expressing disapproval and exerting social pressure. In this context, to cancel means to withdraw one's support for someone, such as a celebrity or something, such as a company, publicly and especially on social media. Simple enough, right? Not so much. Cancel culture has turned into something of a catch-all phrase for the social repercussions for everything from bad jokes to workplace harassment to really effing stupid tweets. And a lot of people are super angry about it, arguing that the threat of being canceled is hurting free speech, hurting public discourse. What is cancel culture actually doing? Specifically, is it actually righting wrongs? When somebody gets canceled for doing or saying something bad, has justice been served? I guess what I take from this, the group or people influencing the cancel will formulate a position or opinion as to why a cancel should take place. The question will be, and again this will be the opinion of others, was this basis fair or reasonable? After all, uh, this is not a court of law. This is a court of public opinion. One thing we do know is for some who are being cancelled, the justice measured out may in some cases be much worse than a sentence handed down by a judge. One group of people that are very much in the crosshairs. Those in society ready to devour those that express their opinion a little too loud are celebrities, comedians and actors. So here are some words from some in this group that have been cancelled and others that have an opinion on the cancel culture. You know, everybody knows we live in a very divided country today. There's a lot of angry people running around and not just here in New York, but everywhere. But there's one thing we can all agree on. It is time to cancel the cancel culture. Finally, new rule, liberals need a stand your ground law for cancel culture. 
so that when the woke mob comes after you for some ridiculous offense, you'll stand your ground. That's some people's job nowadays is to complain and be heard and be offended and try to get things canceled. Um, this whole idea of a cancel culture means that you're living in a time where we're just expecting perfection. We can't be so persistent with the search and find and destroy. My problem with canceled is inherently what it means is you are now ousted from our society. We now just cancel everyone. And what that's going to do is it's going to devalue progress. It's going to stop people from wanting to change because they'll be forever cast aside because of their one sin from the past. I think our societies have become harder and less um, understanding, less tolerant, less forgiving. And, and I, I, my question today was, where does forgiveness live in our society? I was just reading about how you know, Gen Z is trying to cancel Eminem because of one line that was in a Rihanna song that he did with her. And I'm just like, is that where we are right now? I mean, at this point, you're talking about the Salem witch trials. I won't stop even when my hair turns gray. I'm going to stay, won't stop until they can yeah. me. There's a creepy PC thing out there that really bothers me. How stupid is that cancel thing? They're literally running out of people to cancel. They're going after dead people now. They're trying to cancel John Wayne. It's like, yeah, dude, God did that 40 years ago. I think that the cancel culture thing has just reached a breaking point. Uh, I can't believe how my fellow liberals are behaving. What is liberal about canceling everybody and anything that you don't happen to agree with? People shouldn't be terrified to say what they feel. And I think, it, we, we, what sort of world do we want to live in? Do we want to live in a world where people are frightened and every single part of everything they say is picked apart and, and made to be problematic? Or should people be allowed to express themselves and risk offending other people with their opinions? This idea of purity and you're never compromised and you're always politically woke and all that stuff, I, you should get over that quickly. The world, the world is messy. If I tweet or hashtag, about how you didn't do something right or used the word wrong verb or then I can sit back and feel pretty good about myself because man, you see how woke I was? I called you out. <laughs> that's not activism. That, that's not bringing about change. Individuals can be canceled as well as corporations, but how far can society go when it comes to selecting individuals and corporations to be canceled? And exactly what should or could be the basis of a good cancel? Let's stroll down the grocery store aisle in what I call the Isle of Absurdity. We got rid of Aunt Jemima, we got rid of Uncle Ben's, but I am wildly triggered by the brands and the photos that I see in this grocery store. Using a polar bear to sell your ice cream, Klondike? Did you know polar bears were extinct? No thank you. Cancelled. Paw Patrol mac and cheese. Listen, defund the police, defund Paw Patrol. V8, you know what kind of emissions an engine like that puts out into the environment? I drive a Prius and that is cancelled. Okay, I don't exactly know who this guy is, but I don't like his look at all. I don't like anything that this guy stands for. Cancelled. White rice. Brown rice. Why they gotta be separated? Think about it. Cancelled. Uncle Ben's absolutely offended by that. Listen, do I know any minorities myself? No, I don't, but I feel very confident speaking on their behalf on the internet. Hola, Tapatio. Una pregunta. You ever heard of cultural appropriation? Cancelled. Oh, look at there. It's a woman 
leading a cow against its will to the slaughter. Selling popsicles shaped as bullets. Wow, absolutely canceled. Blue Ribbon, everyone's a winner. Thank you, that is the only brand of ice cream I will support. Rebel Ice Cream, wow, why don't you just change this to Soldier in the Confederate Army Ice Cream. Okay, I just looked up Red Baron. Red Baron is a fighter pilot in the German Air Force in World War I, seems extremely anti-Semitic. Orville Redenbacher, look at this guy. He definitely made some mistakes in his past. Do you wanna cancel him? We can if we want. I'll look up some mistakes that he made in his past and we can cancel him. I need to appease my white guilt by virtue signaling on the internet. The Keebler Elves, isn't that cute? Well, it's 2020, they're called little people. Canceled. Tombstone, what stands on top of a tombstone? A statue, tear them all down. Canceled. Ezekiel bread, as described in the holy scriptures. That's offensive to atheists? Canceled immediately. Oh, little Debbie. Why does she have to have red hair? Offensive to gingers. Canceled. Hey, Granny Smith, you ever heard of, uh, oh, I don't know, ageism? Cancel. What do we have here? Country gravy, 758. Brown gravy, 747. I'm just saying, think about it. Tupac. Have you ever heard any of his lyrics? Very violent. Is that what you guys support? Spam? Add them to the list. Canceled. It's 2020 and Oreo is still separating the light and the dark. You know who's out here solving racism in a Walmart? Duplex. 1850. You know what those dates are? Pre-Civil War. You know another term that means pre-Civil War? Antebellum, that's right. Just like the band, that brand is canceled. Oh, super fun. Barnum and Bailey's Animal Cruelty Crackers, canceled. A woman carrying salt alone in the rain, absolutely not. Just looked up the definition of minion. Uh, one, an underling or follower of a powerful person. Two, a servant, canceled. If the Dixie Chicks are canceled, then so are these plates. There are thousands of products in this grocery store, and if I consume any of them, I also support the political and moral choices of everyone involved in that company, which makes literally no sense, but it's 2020, and here we are. Wheat thins. I don't think so. Another impossible standard for women to live up to. Let's get some wheat thicks up here, and then we'll talk. I love Lizzo. Okay, now we're in the cleaning aisle. We got two dish scrubbers with hands with fingernail polish on them. Why do the women always have to do the dishes? Canceled. Arm and hammer seems very oppressive. Hey, Rice Krispie Treats, why don't you try some diversity? White, white, white. Canceled. Megan Rapino on the cliff bar. Thank you, gender wage gap finally solved. Oh, what's that? And this doesn't mean anything at all and we still have real problems that we need to address? Okay, oh, sorry. Well, it seems like these shelves are going to have a little less product on them if this guy gets his way. The idea of cancel culture isn't new. No, not at all. In fact, cancelling things has been experienced by societies all around the world over hundreds of years. Say what? Let's look at some examples of where cancel culture resulted in changes to society. You may have heard of the prohibition. This was a change to ban alcohol in the United States. And as you will find out in the next clip, while the government ultimately changed the constitution to ban alcohol, it was pressure from a number of special interest groups that swayed the government to change the law. Sound familiar? Right. The only difference between then and now is the type of media used by these special interest groups to promote the change, and that now corporations and businesses have just as much or even more sway than the government on what ultimately gets changed in this cancel culture. It was the noble experiment. 
Welcome to WatchMojo.com, and today we're taking a look at the history of prohibition in the United States. With bar lined with the boys and bums, spending their money, debauching their characters, rotting their bodies, and jeopardizing their immortal souls. Prohibition in the United States was the government's attempt to outlaw the production, sale, and shipment of alcohol and intoxicating alcoholic beverages across the country. During the 19th century, various groups pushed for national prohibition. For instance, southern and rural populations believed a liquor ban would curtail the crime they associated with the growing number of immigrants living in American cities. In addition, clashes arose between conflicting religious factions that were separated into the wets and dries. The dries disapproved of drinking and considered saloons and other popular spots of alcohol consumption politically corrupt. Conversely, the wets wanted the state to remain uninvolved in discussions of morality. Support for prohibition grew, and organizations like the Anti-Saloon League lobbied for the case. Many African Americans, women's groups, and progressives were also in favor. The 18th Amendment of the Constitution was the change that established the liquor ban, and it was proposed by the U.S. Senate in 1917. Two years later, it was ratified and then enabled when Congress passed the Volstead Act and it identified the affected liquors and the consequences for the law's violation. Prohibition went into effect on January 16, 1920. The task of enforcing the Volstead Act was given to the federal agency known as the Prohibition Unit, which was later called the Bureau of Prohibition. This agency faced many difficulties, mainly because the urban population strongly opposed the ban. Another type of cancel event in history, and till this day still a practice, is the banning of books. Many books are cancelled simply on the basis of hearsay, in many cases without the objector even having read the book. The basis of cancelling a book was commonly promoted by religious, moral and government groups, which lobbied the wider public to have the books banned. In an ironic way, it was the establishment, those who were considered conservative, who pushed to remove a type of free speech through writing, whereas now it appears to be those who are, let's say, more left-leaning or liberal, who now are the ones promoting the same type of cultural change or control. As I do at the end of each of my podcasts, I withdraw my middle finger and dial down the sarcasm, and let me increase the level of sincerity. In this episode we looked at a social phenomenon which at first looked to be something new but turned out to be something that we had seen many times before in history. Being part of something greater than yourself can be empowering and deliver a great deal of personal satisfaction for those that are truly committed. And then there are those who dress to impress and disguise their true agenda which is to be seen to be committed to the cause while really being committed to themselves. In this era, when it seems everyone's motives are challenged and their sense of purpose and being is called into question, the ambiguous nature of society continues to lead to an uncertain future where some will stand out and most will tread softly to avoid the consequences and ramifications of some in society who have become increasingly vindictive and merciless.
I'm your host, Gaff, and this has been The View from My Middle Finger. You can listen to my podcast episodes on Spotify, Amazon, Apple, and wherever good podcasts are found. You can also check out our website. Just search for tvfmmf.com. And you can also follow us on Twitter at twitter.com tvfmmfinger. And remember, if you don't like The View from My Middle Finger, too bad, try your own.